but we were, you know, poor in that sense. And we thought we were poor too, which is a challenge mentally. So I grew up knowing that I was poor and feeling poor. And so money was a big problem for me. And I didn't know it then at all, but it, there was so much pain around money that would condition the way that I would respond to it. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Joshua Marson Jill. Joshua, please tell us who you are and what's your mission? I am just a man after God, really, when it comes down to it. I was an atheist up until 27, so I'm 15 years old in the Lord. I had just got my MBA right when I got saved as an atheist and kind of had a crazy open vision that brought me into a, a relationship with God. And I've just found that every part of my life belongs to Him. I need Him everywhere, especially in business. And had some massive ups and downs being an entrepreneur and trying to start things and uh, do things in my life. But yeah, just realizing how important and how valuable my connection to God is, has been the journey that I've been on since 15 years ago. So. Uh, tell us how you got to this point doing what you do, speaking to us today about healing yeah. and money mindset. So I grew up poor and from American standards, it just meant that we were on welfare and we were living check to check and just government cheese. <laughs> it's like a glowing orange block of cheese that we experienced all those things. But we were poor in that sense. And we thought we were poor too, which is a challenge mentally. So grew up knowing that I was poor and feeling poor. And so money was was a big problem for me. And I didn't know it then at all. There's so much pain around money that would condition the way that I would respond to it. Like, for example, even getting an MBA, I did that to avoid being poor. So took out student loans all the way through school and worked really just for that one purpose. I had a love for sociology and for like uh, those kind of subjects. And instead, I got the MBA just so that I could avoid being poor. Well, it was the worst timing ever to get an MBA because the market was flooded in 2007, 2008 with people graduating with their MBAs. They had just done a push for it. So like there were no jobs. In a sense, it was the worst thing that I could have done in some ways. But, you know, I'm really grateful for it at this point because it served its purpose over time. But just the thinking pattern that I had that would put me in a position where I would choose something that I didn't even have a love for, I didn't have a passion for, just so I could secure my future. And I think that's kind of the experience that a lot of us have and may have had. That's the nature of money to be a little bit of an abuser, not a little bit, a lot. Like, I mean, we can walk away with some real emotional scars from our experience with money, which I definitely did. So some of that actually does require healing. Money deserves a position in our life. It's actually a very useful tool, but it's just not a good boss. Like if it's telling us what to do, but its voice is louder than our Heavenly Father or than our passions, like in my example, it can really cause some devastating experiences that are very painful to us. So in positioning money to where it should be, it should be a servant. As a servant, it's powerful. It's fertile. <laughs> it produces its own little babies, little money babies, <laughs> or whatever. It does its job well in that position. But if, if we're serving it and its voice is the loudest one in our lives, then it cannot do well in our lives. So we have to have kind of an identity that's stronger than that and a purpose that is stronger than that. Just long story short, but the point is, is life is better pulled 
than pushed. And money will push us. But life, when we're being pulled by our identity, by our purpose, then it can be a beautiful experience. We can wake up in the morning with energy, go to bed at night, just on fire for the things that we have in our heart. That's what I've learned. And it's taken me a very long time. God's really done a lot to shape that. My relationship with him has been so key to discovering who I am because I I didn't know money had shaped my identity. It had told me who I would be, how I would do things, and it had locked me in a little prison that, you know, I just want to see other people get free from because it's way too common. (laughs) It's just so frequently that you meet people that are really trapped in this type of bondage, and it's all well-intentioned. It's all like, I'm just trying to provide for my family and those kind of things, and there's so many things around it that make so much sense, but the core of the problem is really just the position of money in their life, and God can speak to us when we give him a higher position than money, and he can make it make sense and heal our heart. That's kind of what I'm after. In a lot of cultures, what you've just Mm. said is the norm. There's so much poverty that it's an obligation to make sure that you get out of poverty, and therefore you Mm. must pursue things that give you money to avoid the widespread poverty that you do see everywhere. You said money pushes but there's something that pulls. What did you mean by that? The Bible's so different in the way that it thinks about us and talks about us. It says that we are created for a purpose, that we're designed in a sense like as an kind of an orphan society, spiritually orphan. As an atheist, I was an orphan (laughs) spiritually. I did not feel like I was connected. There was no relationship with God. And especially in that Hebrew mindset of relationship being so important, I didn't have any of that. When I came into understanding that I was a son of a heavenly father, that was so different for me to wrap my mind around. It took time for me to kind of discover that. But what it ultimately amounts to is that I had an identity that was hidden in God that belonged to me. He wasn't hiding it from me. He was hiding it for me. (laughs) He was keeping it from the influence and the difficulties and all the circumstances that I had. But in reaching out to him, I was able to find that. When we find our identity in God, I mean, it's like the launch pad because that gives us not just the connections that we need, the prioritization that we need to make decisions. All of a sudden, we're making great decisions. This is incredibly helpful for business decisions Because when we can make good decisions that we're confident about, it really comes from an identity. So it it doesn't just create the kind of connection that we need, but it also creates the kind of boundaries that we need so that we don't take on too much, that we don't overwhelm ourselves with things that are just kind of toil and don't have a place in our experience because this just isn't for me. I mean, it's for someone else. That's great. It's not like you have to call it bad or make it out to be evil, but it's just not for me. So knowing your identity becomes key to being able to just be a confident decision maker, which every business person on every level of the organization has to be able to do you. I mean, so if you're in a room and everybody's kind of stressed out or having a bad experience, maybe some numbers or there's like a financial problem or some challenge in that room and there's five people in there and everybody's being affected by this stress that's available there on the table, (laughs) everybody's kind of feasting on that stress, then you are sitting in in that room and you have connection to this heavenly father as a son or daughter and so you have a supply of peace so if you can pull peace out of heaven during a stressful 
business meeting, just for one example, then you are accessing heaven's supply. Who do you want making your decisions in that meeting? <laughs> it's probably the person that can pull on heaven and pull peace from his relationship or her relationship with God. That's kind of what I've began to, to grasp and activate in my experience in both business and just in my spiritual life of the healing that's happened because God has revealed his identity to me. My identity has just been huge. I wouldn't want people to have to go without it. It's just such a big deal. Online, people talk about improve your money mindset, get money mindset coaching. You know, there's all this stuff jumping at you, but you're not even really sure what a money mindset is. So do you mind just kind of talking us through what is actually a money mindset? We have options, right? So we grow up, maybe our parents introduce us to a mindset that's not helpful. Having a money mindset is about making a choice on the way that you want to think. Our brains are amazing. Scientifically, they can kind of recreate themselves. like They can grow back kind of like a lizard's tail. That's kind of a gross example. But this is the one organ here that can be transformed. No old dogs you can't learn new tricks. There's None of that going on because the reality is our brain can constantly be transformed. It can constantly be made new. We can decide. That's a big deal. It actually causes problems sometimes just as much as it creates opportunity. But for those that want to intentionally go at, I want to make sure that what I'm thinking is what I want to be thinking, um, then we have options. We can change our mind. We can develop a mindset that is not stuck in the two most common paths, which like one that's so focused on money that it kind of withholds. That's just as dangerous as the poverty kind of mindset that is just basically I don't have and what I have isn't very valuable. These two mindsets are just very destructive and they seem like they're the only ones available. It's like either I have to be so focused on money and so intent on just getting as much as I can so that I can be strong or, you know, I don't have money. Money will never be enough for me. It's never enough. I can't get enough. Those two seem like they're almost the only mindsets available. And it's like there's this middle road that's a little less traveled and there's not ruts that you can kind of sit in that will help you through it because not everybody's doing it. So you kind of have to sail off on your own and risk and face your fears a lot of times in order to get it. But there is this mindset that belongs to you as an individual. It includes your personality and includes who you are. And it's something about what you decide. Money comes along as a servant within that mindset. There is freedom, but there's also liberty. And the difference between freedom and liberty, in my example here, is just that with liberty, there are some boundaries. Like there's some things that you'll do. Freedom is just totally out there. So the liberty, it's actually really important because it'll help guide you, but it doesn't push you from one side to the other. You're not having to choose between two difficult, painful mindsets. You're choosing your identity and what you've been provided with. It's kind of that question, like, what's in my hand? What do I have to work with? And doing like a little inventory. Obviously, I highly recommend that this is something that you do in the presence of God because he can speak into the reality of who you are, what you have to work with, and he can show you what's really in your hand. And knowing that, 
can create this daring, exciting push to just steward what you have as an individual. That can be so fulfilling in business and every area of our lives. What struggles do you see that Christian entrepreneurs commonly have? I've worked a lot in church circles and in business as well, but church is a business, you know, in some ways. It's not the side everybody wants to talk about. (laughs) You have to set things up administratively. You have to have some income in order to give money away or whatever your plan to do. So there's a lot going on in the church world as well as in any business. And the thing that I find, though, even in the church, is isolation is the biggest killer. It's kind of like the way I put it together. It's like the devil's plan for everybody. If he had his way, he would isolate us and silo us and pull us out of connection with others. That's because that's the way he is. (laughs) He's stuck. He doesn't have a future. He doesn't have a hope. He doesn't have a connection. He kind of wants us to be depressed and all those kind of things and all isolated and alone like he is. So he has this plan for us that's contrary to God's plan, which is connection. God has always been connected. He's always been a community. He says, let us make them in our image. And that word, our, it emphasizes that there's, you know, God, Holy Spirit, Father God, they're a little community and Jesus, you know. And so with that little community, they're already connected. And so in life, in business, this is always a problem. It's always an isolation issue. And even when some people are very bold and they're very extroverted in their approach to their business, it still breaks down when there's a disconnect in like the real them and the authenticity that they carry and what they're putting out there. Sometimes it's a show, unfortunately, and there's not like a real connection because there's no vulnerability. Connection generally comes through vulnerability. We have to decide that you know, this is the level that I'm going to allow people into my life and we have to be real. Otherwise, there's this whole like false character that we're developing and we're spending and wasting our time on. And it's not actually progressing because it's keeping us from connection rather than serving us towards connection, even when it seems like it's doing the opposite. We're not growing because the true us, the one that's inside, isn't being able to connect to others. Those are the biggest dangers I really feel like that people experience is they're just, they're pretending or they're walking through and creating these silos. I can't trust other people with my vision, so I'm going to do it. Those mindsets, really, those statements are just, they're nasty little lies. They're tormentors that kind of keep us from being able to connect to others. And I've seen it in business everywhere, on every level. Even businesses need to partner with other businesses. You can multiply your strength a hundredfold whenever you decide that your business would be best if it and partner with this. So sometimes competition is the worst tool that we can possibly use in our business environments. It's just not what we need. In some places, it serves such a great purpose. Competition can really be helpful. It's going to help us design our supply and whatever, all those kind of things. It's going to help us with those. So it's not that we totally throw competition out, but when it comes to relationship, no. (laughs) We need to prioritize connection over competition all day, every day, because you can create a great relationship with people through competition. It's not about throwing it all the way out, but it just needs to be the priority is always connection, and especially in businesses. Churches that don't work together end up being like on every single corner, and people are going to all these different places, and they're all learning the same thing, that we're better than everyone else. Of course, that's nonsense, and of course, it's not helping the community that that church is in. (laughs) And the same thing goes, though, for businesses when they're trying to create 
and explore, sometimes they just would be better off. They would be maximized by partnering with others. And it's not just for practical purposes. Sometimes it's for relationship. It's so that we can do things together. It's not just function that we need relationships for. It's also the relationship. The relationship itself is valuable. Partnering with others is huge because you can learn so much from other people's mistakes. When we open ourselves up to others about our mistakes and they can learn and, you know, and so on and so forth. So we're designed for relationship and trying to avoid it actually creates the most massive problem that I've seen. I have been in so many networking type things with fellow Christian entrepreneurs. It's either two ends. It's either all we do is talk about Christianity and there's absolutely nothing mentioned of business and it's almost not okay mm. to talk even about <laughs> business, even though you're there and it's like Christian entrepreneur network, but it's almost like right. an unspoken that nobody speaks about business at all. Wow. A lot of those. And then I've seen <laughs> the other end where it's like it's all business and it's all money and no vulnerability. It's yeah. all kind of hype entrepreneur kind of teachings. That's such an excellent observation because there is a balance in between these two, especially when some relationships are just supposed to be so close, like your family, your children, anything like that. Those are the closest relationships. So there's layers to our relationships with others. Where this gets easy and uncomplicated and clear is when we really know who we are. Finding out, which is an individual journey. And the Bible says, you know, go into your closet and like pray. And some of that is like just having that alone time so that we can be honest and just kind of being there with the Lord and saying, hey, this is where I've sin. This is where I've done this. This is where I don't understand. Just being in a place of safety with him where we can feel like anything that we're trying to hide can take those parts. Like for example, let's say like anger or something like that. If we feel like we have this massive problem with anger, we can take that to the Lord and say, hey, I've got this part of me. <laughs> you know, it's like we're separating it a little bit, but we're like, I've got this part of me that I really don't like and I really wish that it wasn't here. What'll happen is he'll help us understand like, oh wow, that's something that he created in me. We can begin to connect and kind of reintegrate something that's useful about that. Anyway, I say all that to explain that discovering our identity is a lengthy process sometimes and something to grow into and mature into and all those kind of things. It's both with people and with God. There has to be both of them. But in doing that, when we get it, and we start to really understand that this is what I'm about. This is like what my call is. And of course, it creates some ways that we can talk with others that is authentic. And it doesn't cross that line into let's just do this. Let me say this, like religion would steal all of this from us, you know, so it would force us into these conversations that don't matter. And they're just a waste of time. Religion, it's another one. It's a tool. It's not a good boss. It's a terrible boss. <laughs> it's a great tool. If it's in the right place in our lives, and it's helping us read our daily devotional in the morning and those kind of things and making sure that we're doing our due diligence on whatever we're creating, then religion is great and it's helpful. But when it's creating the dialogues that we're having and it's forcing a certain room to act a certain way, like in this example, that's where we can see that it has completely failed us. <laughs> and what would be much better is if we could just kind of be present and in that moment with others because being present is just one of the things that 
it does actually connect us. So if we're just off somewhere else or we're trying to be someone that we're really not just to please others and all those kind of things, then we're causing problems. And a lot of times, especially when there's so much kind of false stuff going on in a relationship with others, like it does make sense for us to cut certain relationships loose. We've got to be good to ourselves and kind to ourselves so we're not like just constantly running in circles. Like sometimes there has to be that decision. I would highly recommend that you had some good counsel around you to help you through some of that because sometimes it's just like I woke up this morning and I'm kind of in a bad mood or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but sometimes it really is like been to this meeting like 18 times. I really feel like it's going to be good for me, but I can't get past this thing. And somebody can be like, yeah, it sounds like you tried really hard. So and at that point, that makes sense for you to just kind of be like, okay, I don't have time for this. This isn't good use of my resources, so I'm going to cut it out and stop it. But but so many of those problems can be solved when we really do have a life that is being pulled by our identity and our purpose. I'd really love to know what have been sort of your key things that have kind of kept you sort of moving forward, making progress, and just mm -hmm. guiding you in your life as an entrepreneur faith. I felt like for me that there was never enough. I kind of grew up in that mindset that we talked about earlier. It's kind of a poverty mindset mostly. That's where you would find that, which of course I had for a lot of reasons. Because I didn't feel like there was enough, I was making all these decisions based on that. And so when I accessed my relationship with God, that changed everything. It made things so much easier. The way that happened though, is kind of a crazy story. But I was an atheist until I was 27. So basically I believe there wasn't a God and I fought Christians on us and I would try to humiliate them and it was just a, such a different reality than who I am today. I've changed so much in 15 years but really what I was is I was angry at God you know for not being enough for me you know that I was left out and and I just didn't know those things I just couldn't connect with it. So what happened to me was I had what I called an encounter with God which I mean when an atheist has an encounter it's revealing about who God is. He is so generous to us and that alone it just transformed me in such a big way. So in all my trying and all my what I call toil, you know, it's not the good work. It's the I'm just working because I'm trying to get through. Toil is an evil thing in my mind, you know, <laughs> it's not something that's helpful. And that's all I'd learned as an atheist. I just kind of learned to toil, not to be myself or anything. And so in that painful place, I had created a mental anxiety that was overwhelming. I mean, twice a week, I'd be on the floor from the just mental stress that I was experiencing. I would actually black out. So I had this physical problem that was just really bad. And I was trying to be a managerial consultant. So my life was stressful. It was difficult. I was taking on other people's problems as my own and all this kind of stuff. And I was working 80 hours a week. So I was either at work or I was like at home drinking and because I had a bad drinking problem at the time. That was kind of my life. It was a mess. So what happened was I actually tried to commit suicide. I drank a bottle of whiskey and I took some pills and I was like, I'm out of here. In my kind of atheist ideas, I said, you know what? If God, if you're real, then I really wish you'd kill me. <laughs> And, and that's kind of the way I had it. I didn't want a new life or anything like that. I just wanted to be dead. It was so sad. It really was. It was, it was such a sad reality. But it was so much pain and it was so real for where I was. And so what happened was three to four hours later, I passed out uh, that night and woke up so early in the morning. But the thing was, I didn't have a hangover. I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel sick. I felt like I was 
alive. And so I'm not sure he didn't kill me <laughs> because that morning I woke up and I just felt brand new. I felt so good that I went for a jog. And during that jog, it's a very long story that I actually wrote a book about. But during that jog, I, I had an open vision, which is like dreaming, but except for you're wide awake. I could see almost like both worlds, kind of the dream world and the real world, which to me, I think this spiritual reality with, with the dream reality was just as real as this one. But I didn't know that then. I was just kind of like, wow, what am I experiencing here? I thought maybe I had schizophrenia. I was just a realist. I was an academic. So all those things. So I was dealing with that. I saw Jesus and Jesus looked at me in my eyes and and called me by name. There was kindness in his eyes. Have you ever seen like kind eyes? Just somebody that really cares about you. He was that and he knew me so well and I could just tell like he knew me better than my parents or something. And so as that happened, to me, it was so, so, so very real, but I just didn't have a box for it. So there was a lot of process and everything that God had taken me through after that. But that encounter, that experience with God, where I couldn't deny that he had moved and touched me somehow, it, of course, marked me and made me feel like, oh, I can't go back from here. I was wrong, and there's got to be something that's right. Even though I didn't understand it and didn't have like a bunch of Christians to talk to me and all that kind of stuff, that really marked me for the journey that God took me on from there. So, I mean, I had already learned business. I had a master's in international business administration. I'd put so much care and all that into that, but I knew nothing about who I was within any of that. And so that took a lot of time, but all of a sudden... I was no longer an orphan, a spiritual orphan. I was connected. I had a family. And so it was just like in Luke 15 where that prodigal son comes home. I was definitely the prodigal son coming home. I had completely wasted so much, but none of that really mattered because I was being invited into a party where my father had paid for everything. He had a fatted calf, and the fatted calf just happened to be Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> and so he taught me to feast, I mean, right in front of my enemies too, because I still had enemies, like I had suicidal ideations and all kinds of things that were still going on, but the anxiety had completely gone away. I mean, like just those little, not little, they were big miracles. I mean, for my mind to be rewired in the way that God had done, it shocked me. And there was no turning back from that. And from that experience, from that encounter, I just began to learn to understand that God was with me. He wasn't away from me. He wasn't like off in the stars. Not only was he real, but he was also available from a business standpoint. It's like there's another economy. There's the heavenly economy. And so when Jesus said like on earth as it is in heaven, I started to put those things together and I started to feel like, oh, wow. So you're influencing the deficits of this world, like which this world is rough. <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed if you're a human and you're alive, you've notice this world is hard sometimes. The fallenness of this world is something that we're experiencing. Bad things happen to good people and all this kind of stuff. Why? What in the world is happening here? Well, God is like empowering us with this economy, this connection to heavenly supply so that we can be the change on this earth that it needs so that we can begin to restore and redeem and bring about reconciliation with Christ Jesus. He's the hope of glory within us. And so I started to live from heaven to earth. So I was so heavenly minded. You know what I mean? <laughs> no earthly good. I don't, there's an old song about that. But I was earthly good and I started to realize that that's nonsense. Actually, if I can live Live from heavenly places to earth, then I can bring some of the supply of heaven into the earth. And it took risk. And I had to face all kinds of fears. It was not about being safe. It was about exploring and running after things that God told me to do. But it taught me 
who I was and what I had to actually offer, which was more than just like, you know, some kind of service or good. It was who I am. And then I could put that into the services and I could put that into the goods that I had. And then I could put that out there. That was the way it worked. And I had always put the cart before the horse, as they say, that was just wrong. I was pushing my life when it would be so much better pulled and being pulled I learned to trust and I learned to be vulnerable and I learned to be you know real that's how everything changed for me and I can honestly say that my life is wildly on track with God I'm married now I have all kinds of future all kinds of hope I'm working with different businesses we're working in one of the really impoverished area here in Selma Alabama and we're all pulling together and learning to do what God wants to do and release heaven in a difficult place. So I couldn't be happier. I've just got so much hope. And of course, I want to share that with people. It's not that I don't have down days and all that kind of stuff, but I know where those go. And I know if my tank's empty, there's a reason for it. I can learn and I can know where to get things. And I can also pull on heaven because heaven is infinite. There's no shortage in heaven. There's constant supply coming from that place. It's changed everything. There's goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I can honestly say that even though it still feels like ups and downs, sometimes I know where to go when I'm really in a crunch. What would you say is the number one book that you would recommend to an early entrepreneur that for you mm. comes back to you time and time again? There's a new book that I've gotten a hold of lately, People Fuel by Dr. John Townsend. That is a fantastic book. We kind of take our health seriously sometimes these days and we're deciding what kind of foods we want to put in our body and what kinds we don't want. It speaks to the situation you mentioned earlier as well. Like some people are just not good for us. <laughs> They're toxic. It's not like we don't love them, but sometimes we need to kind of create some distance. We need to create some boundaries. Townsend's famous for that. Wrote a book, Boundaries with Henry Cloud. He's really good at explaining what those mean. I've definitely used that just like thinking about the ways that I can build better relationships because that's what it's about. It's not about excluding people. It's about including the right people that I'm doing good for. I'm a good nutrient for some people, but not for everyone. That's fine. But, you know, to be the best knee, to steward what God has given me well, then I need to understand where I begin and where I end. And that's a great one for really diving deep into that subject. Thank you so much for that recommendation, Joshua. <laughs> now to our audience, to learn more about what Joshua does, please go to www.abundantencounters.com. And I think we have a special coupon for our audience. Yeah, I just went with the show name. It's reInvent22. If you go and there's anything that's like over $50, you'll get $25 off. We do counseling sessions. Like if you feel like you haven't been able to encounter God and you want to in your business, we have something. It's like financial sozo. Basically, it's about healing in our financial situation. If something I said earlier really kind of felt like, yeah, I've had so many money pains. I've been abused by money. If that's your experience, then these sessions are amazing for helping us kind of a partner with the Lord in our finances. In fact, one of the most consistent things that I've heard people say after these sessions is, wow, God really loves me in my finances. That's just so encouraging because of course he does. And being able to communicate with him is something that every Christian has access to. So I wouldn't recommend honestly being an entrepreneur and <laughs> in a place where you need to make a bunch of decisions on a daily basis that maybe not everyone else is doing without having a good relationship with God. So if that's a struggle for you or if it's just been a while since you've really heard from the Lord or felt close to Him, then we've got some great tools for that. So all lowercase letters, reInvent22 is a coupon code and you'll get $25 off a session. 
So we'd love to have you. Thank you for your time and for really sharing your story. I think our audience is going to be really encouraged and really inspired awesome. and just feel like you're ready to do this a different way and to lean on the resources they have in crisis. Thank you, Joshua. Awesome. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do me two massive favors. One, please share it with someone that you know would benefit from this information. And secondly, please leave us a review in your podcast listening app. This will help us grow the show and get bigger and bigger guests that will benefit you even more. Thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for your time. I absolutely value your time. Thank you for spending time with us listening to the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. Thank you and see you again next week.